This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We are talking about Acts 3 still, so let's take a closer look. Let's do it. So, for one of the rare instances, we are actually recording this after I have recorded the story, which makes the podcast quite different, because I already know what you've heard Mm. On the other end, most of the time I have to guess where I think I'm going to take it. And then it's adjacently close at best. <laughs> yeah. They end up being radically different. Yeah. But now I know exactly where I took it. And I took it in this way because I focused on the word power and piety. Mm. Um, now we're going to have to talk about this word piety. Do you know what piety is? It's like, um, trying to, it's, it would be like trying to say a way of like living a a quote unquote holy life, um, in a way. Yeah, kinda. Um, it's, it, it literally just means like the ability or aspiration or way of, worldview slash life that's given over to like religious reverence. Yeah. That's what piety is. Um, And so if you go to church like at all, you have some level of piety. Mm -hmm. It may not be much more than the two hours a week you spend in church, Mm -hmm. but that's still piety. Um, And then power. If you remember the inner, like, the first part of Acts introduces you to a conversation of power. Mm-hmm. If you remember the way I preached through this, God's deeds of power or what they hear at Pentecost. There's all this language about the Holy Spirit and suffering, the opposite of power, the kingdom language. I mean, there's so much here happening about power and God's deeds of power. So after... Peter heals this man. Remember in verse uh, 10, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms in the temple. Oh, sorry. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him. And he runs away with Peter and John. Mm. Then we get to 11. It's like, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico, called Solomon's Portico, which will show up again in chapter 4 and is actually quite influential location in the book of Acts. Um, Utterly astonished, as if to say, we don't understand how you just did this. Right. Like that's the narrator's interpretation or Luke's interpretation of what's happening. Then verse 12 says, when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Like, why are you amazed? What, how, how is this confusing to you? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we had made him walk? So this brings a good question that I didn't have time to get into in the actual story. Are there things that we can do on our own power 
that look that we can do on our own that fit the category of power slash piety? There are things that we can do on our own that look like power slash piety. Yeah. Absolutely. Give me some examples. Um, giving money to the church. Going to church. Going, yeah. Going to church is one. Yeah, yeah. for sure. What else? Because um, those really don't say much about power, mm-hmm. divine power in a way. Um. Oh, public prayer. Oh, Praying okay. And service. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, the deacon that like starts. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. It's fair. Are there other evidences in Scripture where someone does something divine or miraculous under their own power or some power that is not Jesus's power? Oh, we're going to see how well you know your Bible, Clayton. Say that again. Are there places in Scripture where someone does a miracle? something of mm-hmm. divine power that requires piety under a power that is not God, Yahweh, or Jesus's power, but they still are able to pull off a miracle. Um, Exodus. Hey, the look magicians. at you. Yeah. yeah. The the warlocks yeah. um, that are there that do, I think if I remember correctly, they do four of the same signs that Moses Turning does. Staves to snakes. Uh, and- yeah. Yeah. But they can't do all 10. Yeah. So, I think it's a fair question for Peter to ask, why do you think we've done this on our own power and piety? Mm-hmm. Because in a in a enchanted world, which we need to have this conversation, um, Clayton, scoot your chair up. Um, I don't see it. It's down there at the bottom somewhere. It's not important. I'll link it in the show notes or something. But there's a book um, by James K.A. Smith, and it's a reading of, I think the book down there is called A Secular Age or something, um, or how, how to Not Be Secular. That's what it's called. How yeah. to Not Be Secular. It's a reading of Charles Taylor's The Secular Age, which if you've not read, I would advise that you need to read them or one of them at least. Charles Taylor's book I think is better because it's more exhaustive, but Charles Taylor's book is also like 800 pages. Right. That one was like, what, 120 or something? Something like that. Yeah. So that one's much more accessible, but... In that, Charles Taylor talks about the way that an ancient person would exist in the world was what we call an enchanted worldview. Mm -hmm. They divinized or spiritualized everything. Everything happened because of spirits happening in the world. Right. That is not at all how we view the world. Mm. We, as modern Western American people, view the world through disenchanted worldview. Right. We go, can you prove that? Yeah, things, is that scientifically viable? Right. Like we don't, we things don't, that can be seen via science. Things that can be objectively proven. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Mathematically understood. Yeah. 
The Bible's not operating according to that worldview. No. So in that way, I totally think it's a fair question for Peter to go, why do you think we've done this on our own power Mm -hmm. and piety? There are lots of people that are out there doing things on their own power and piety, but why do you think it's us? Yeah. Because we're still professing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God, the God of Israel, your God, um, which has been realized in Jesus. Oh, by the way, if anybody acted under their own power and piety, it's you. Mm. Surprise, player. Uh, you're the one that killed Jesus. Yeah. Your own power and piety. Like, this is a real shot to the religious elite. Right. Like, real shot. Coming in, shots fired, shot heard around the world, about to try to start World War Three with these kind of comments. You killed... Or at this time, it would have been World War One. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at this point, well, I don't know if... I don't know if they would have called it World War One. Um, oh, fair. Yeah, but probably would have just called it. I don't know a war. Yeah, a war, uh, a peasants' war, a the feud. war. Yeah, but war. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but what I think ends up kind of being the thing that happens here is Peter puts power and piety in contrast to them and their life versus the them being John and Peter and the disciples, the Christians, and the religious elite. Um, this actually resonates with me a lot. Yeah. Um, because in our own tradition, that we are in our denominational tradition of historic line of Baptists. We're not Southern Baptists, but I think most people still just naturally group us with them. Um, even though we have zero affiliation with the Southern Baptists, um, it just ends up being this. I think the religious folk are operating according to their own power and piety. Yeah. Um, well, and in our current society, you have more power if you are religious. Um, which adds to this think, conversation. I think that's unique to the South. Because mm-hmm. uh, the more North you get, the more that goes away. Sure. Um, because we get more and more secular and anti-faith. Right. Um, Maybe. But I do think if you live in the South, you get more power and privilege if you're religious. Mm-hmm. Um, at least religious enough that you can speak the lingo. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. And so he says, we're not doing this under our own power and authority like you punks. Um, because as manifest, we've done something good. Yeah. You killed the son of God. Mm-hmm. It's literally what he says. He says, um, but you rejected the Holy one. The Holy you one. killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead to this. We are witnesses. Um, I think Peter is absolutely putting power and piety in contrast to them Mm -hmm. as going, we're operating under Jesus's power and piety. You're operating under your own and look what you got and look what we did. Um, And then he says, and by faith in his name, Jesus, his name itself has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Yeah. 
Peter seems to think that the power is not within himself, mm. but it's in the name, in of, the name Jesus. of Jesus. Yeah, which is further evidence that this book should be called the works of Jesus through the Holy Spirit through the Acts of the Apostles. It's just what it should be called. A deep breath, go. I know, I know, I know. Apologies. <laughs> now, I do want to spend the last like eight minutes working through very briefly uh, these last few verses because. We, like, I didn't even touch them in the story. Yeah. Verse 17. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. So what has he just done? He's like, hey, I think you acted under your own power and piety. Mm. I think you did it in ignorance. I don't think you knew what you were doing, but you did. Yeah. I mean... Jesus even said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Correct. Even Jesus was like, no, these people are ignorant. They don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And Peter's just reaffirming that. Now, the question in that moment is who's he immediately talking about? Because if you remember, Jesus goes on trial at the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what he's found guilty of? Um. No. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Jew can't kill. A Jewish court cannot kill for blasphemy. They Mm. cannot execute a death penalty for blasphemy. They've not been given that permission by the Roman government. Right. So that's why they take him Mm. to Pilate. And do you remember what he's charged with in the Roman court? I want to say it was like treason or something. Yeah, it's insurrection. Yeah. yeah. And do you remember what they put above him on the cross? King of the Jews. There it is, right there. Yeah. It's insurrection because he's a threat to Caesar. Right. So in that moment, when he says, forgive them, they know not what they do, the question there is actually, I mean, in theory, you would say he's talking about all of it, mm-hmm. all of it. But is he actually, who's he talking to? Is he talking to uh, to the Romans or the Jews or is he talking to the Jews and that are watching? Mm. Because really what happened was the Jews got the Romans to do their dirty work. Yeah. Is what happened. They wanted him killed. They couldn't kill him. So they went to the Romans to make sure they did it. Yeah. Um, and so I think the interpretation of those words matter mm-hmm. depending on who the immediate audience is. Now, clearly, it's for everybody, right? Right. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. They None of them knew what they were doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they none of them knew that they were killing the Son of God. Correct. But from a storytelling perspective, mm-hmm. it really matters Jesus' heart in that moment. Forgive mm-hmm. them for they know not what they do. Um, it's a rabbit hole. But It's an interesting rabbit hole. It is. It's for another day, though. Yeah. Verse 19 here, repent, therefore. Now, the question is, what are they repenting for? They repenting for killing Jesus, or are they repenting for their own power and piety? They're repenting from acting through their own power and piety. That's what I think, too. I don't think that, I mean, they can repent for killing Jesus, but, like, that needed to happen. Right. It needed to happen, and also, they didn't know. Like, that was already established. They acted in ignorance. Yeah. And so, like... It's fair. Yeah. Oh, that brings up a really good question. Uh, 20 seconds. Do we have to repent for ignorance? Mm. 
Or do we have to repent for things we do in ignorance? Ooh, 20 seconds. Yes and no. Uh, no. You, you got to give me an answer. That's not one. It depends on, I think, what the intent behind your actions were. If you were not knowing something... Okay, you kill somebody that you didn't know was on the road because you were drunk. You didn't act in ignorance because you got behind the wheel when you were drunk and you knew you shouldn't be driving. Mm -hmm. But if you um, said something that you didn't think would be offensive and it actually was offensive... You apologize to that person. I'm sorry for offending you, but repentance may not be needed there because you didn't actually know. Okay, so I'm not sure that... I think I agree with you in premise. I'm not mm -hmm. sure I agree with the way you've laid it out there. Maybe maybe um, you told me 20 seconds. I know, I can't, I know, I know, I can't I know. formulate that argument in 20 seconds, Colin. I know. So here, here's the way, and let me say, let me, let me give you an example and see if I'm communicating what okay. you were trying to communicate. Um if you recently become a Christian and you don't know your Bible or how to think about these things and you speed down the highway, mm -hmm. and then you show up at church, you're late, you're speeding to church, you show up for your Wednesday night, you arrive about 15 minutes late. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta eat your meal and you sit down and they're like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? Like, man, I was running so late. I was flying like 85 on the way here. And the person you're eating with goes, Oh, that's sin. You can't speed. What do you mean I can't speed? Well, didn't you know we're supposed to follow the rules of the governors and the authorities above us from the land? Mm -hmm. No, nobody ever told me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. first, first of all, question, very subjective about whether or not that's sin or not. But second of all, mm -hmm. I think that's like a moment where I'd go, yeah, they just literally didn't know they weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. That's ignorance. Yeah. Saying something and possibly offending someone, that's a little bit of a gray area because I say things all the time and I'm like, I really didn't think that would offend anyone and it did. And I still think that I need to repent sometimes. So, okay. Well, yes. In that situation, yes, I would agree yeah. with you. Okay. Got it. So. That was way longer than 20 seconds. It was, but it's a fun conversation. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy prophets. By the way, Peter, that is the longest run-on sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> wow. Yeah, why don't you just go ahead and tell him, my guy? And uh, actually, it's Luke. Luke. Well, Yes, of course, but yeah. Peter said these things. Why did you use air quotes? Because do you actually think he said it this way verbatim? No, and exactly. that's why I'm telling you that it's Luke's problem because he's he's like recording all this down. Fair like, enough. He could have made Peter not have run-on sentences. Fair enough. <laughs> Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you for you from your own people, a prophet like me, you must listen to whatever he tells you. And it will be that everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be utterly rooted out, rooted out of the people and all of the prophets, as many as have spoken from Samuel and those after him also predicted these days. So all we've got here is like a continuity of the, the development. Mm 
You are the descendants of these prophets and of the covenant that God gave to your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and in your descendants, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. What's the wicked ways? Acting in their own power and piety. Acting in their own flippin' power and piety. We do this all the time, right? We do it in a variety of different ways. But I think the most common one that I see in our own tradition is the age-old, well, we've always done it this way. Mm. Well, you know what else we'd always done? Own slaves. You quit that one. Mm. You saw the error of your ways. Uh, You know what else we used to do? We used to all kind of be landmarkists. You had to be a member of the church in order to celebrate communion. Um, But we kind of saw the error in that one, most of us. There are still some that are closed communion people. But, like, there's lots of things where we saw us acting in our own power and piety, and then we go, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And I frequently find myself evaluating thoughts, conversations I have, content that we put out and going and just the way I live my life and and think about some of these things, asking this question, like, do I think we're still going to be having this conversation a hundred years from now? Mm. Or where will this conversation be at a hundred years from now? And why do I ask that? Because I know Baptist history well enough to know what conversations we were having a hundred years ago. Some of them we're still having. Mm. We're still having the conversation about Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what else? We were having a conversation about 100 years ago that we're really not. Mm. Whether or not black people were humans. Yeah. Whether or not they were actually made in the image of God or whether they were just property like cattle. Um, we were having that conversation 100 years ago. Um, and that one pretty much dead nobody's having that conversation theologically right the way in which that's played out is very still different. very much so a conversation that we're having um but nobody's having a conversation about whether or not black people are human yeah we're just not in the same way and this is just i mean i'm not giving you my position but i frequently find myself asking that question in lgbtqia plus conversations mm-hmm. i'm like are we still going to be having this conversation 100 years from now or Will this be that? Will this just be the same kind of thing as like slavery? Mm-hmm. Black people being equal humans and you know all those kinds of things. Um, women, like we were having that, com- well, we're still having that we're conversation. St- yeah. Sorry, ladies. I'm trying real hard, but man, this fight ain't easy. Um, I had to get onto a woman the other day. Like, hey, woman, th- this fight's hard enough without you hurting the cause. Get your act together. Who <laughs> I, I did, I jumped her. Uh, but all of that to say, I think there's, and this is what I'll actually say. Religious abuse comes when we act under mm. our own power and piety. And I guess I want to present a question. Yesterday you asked how, at the end of your story, you asked the question, how do you... Uh, act under the power and piety of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I want to present the, the question today. How are you currently acting in the power and piety of on your own? Um, 
and really want people to be asking themselves and searching for that answer because we all do it. Well, I think and it the, plays out differently for each person, but we all have those things that like, Oh no, I got this. Yeah. I, I think it's a double-sided question. And what you should be asking is how am I acting under power and piety? Mm-hmm. And if you answer that question, it will become very obvious whether it's your own or Jesus's. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that it's pretty simple. If you're acting under Jesus's power and piety, you're going to be love, inclusive. You're going to have grace and mercy. Um, if you're acting under your own power and piety, odds are it's going to be destructive.